Need some time to think about it? Everybody doing all right today? All right. It's good to see you in church this morning. Thank you so, so much for being here today. We're grateful that you're here. Welcome to The Bridge. If you are new especially, we just want to take a moment to say, first of all, thank you for coming today. We're really grateful that you're here. When you made the choice to come here today, that's a choice that means a lot to us as a, a pastoral team as well as everybody else who calls The Bridge home. There are many of us today who are here to serve you. So thank you so much for being here today. We would love to help you get connected in any way that we can. If you are new, if you have questions about the church, or you're wondering how to get plugged in, we want to just personally invite you to stop by the info center before you go today. My name is Zach. I'm one of the pastors here at the church. And again, I just want to personally invite you to stop by the info center. It's the first desk to your right. When you walk out this first set of exit doors right after the service, our team is there. They would love to meet you, to answer any questions that you might have. Really, we just want to do our best to, to tell you more about the church, but more importantly, help you find your place. So take some time to stop by and do that. You can always check out our website, thebridgechurch.tv. We also have uh, the Bridge app, which you can download as well, and we'll tell you more instructions on how to get that later. But thank you again for being here this morning. It means a lot to us that you're here today. So if you're a regular here at the Bridge, would you join me? Let's just put our hands together and welcome all of our guests. As you might be able to tell, my voice and my throat are a little weak this morning, so I need some strength. I need the grace of God to go with me. I hope that if you came here today, you came hungry for God to do something new in your life. When I got up this morning, I wasn't feeling so great, and it kind of just occurred to me what the Scripture says, that his strength is made perfect in our weakness. So sometimes in the midst of our weakness, maybe we are right where we need to be for God to show himself strong in our lives and bring us back to full strength. This morning, I want to bring you a message called, What to Do When the Fight Comes to You. What to do when the fight comes comes to you. I think all of us know what it's like at some point in our life to have to fight a fight that we don't want to fight. I remember when I was younger, especially like going back to my junior high and high school days, and I think that everybody will relate to this if you think back to when you were younger. For me, my gosh, 20 plus years ago since I got out of high school. And I take solace in the idea that there are many of you who are older than me today, so I don't feel so bad. I graduated from high school in 1999, okay? I remember, there are people in this room that were not born in 1999, okay. I remember when I was younger, everybody knows what it's like to have, whether it's friends or just people that you know who like to fight. I knew guys that they liked to fight. They didn't just like get in fights, they went looking for fights. And it's kind of funny, I was thinking back, and this is so weird, this is going to date me, but I remember when I was in junior high and high school, there were like a couple of apparel companies like that made clothes for guys, and guys would wear these t-shirts like, bad boy club. Does anybody remember that? Or the other one that was really popular was No Fear. And it was like guys would wear those shirts to give off the impression that they were really tough, Okay. And I think that there was even people I knew that wore that stuff to kind of send the message out that you don't want to mess with me. And I think all of us at times in our life, we know what it's like to see a fight or maybe to have a fight. But if I'm honest with you, I'm not really the kind of person that ever wanted to fight. I don't like to fight. I'm, it's not my nature. I'm not really built for it. That might surprise you because of my fierce disposition <laughs> or my Spartan-like build. <laughs> But I didn't like to fight. That wasn't me. When I was 17 years old, I switched schools. I had been in a private Christian school most of my life, pretty much my whole life. And then when I was 17, me and my two, my two best friends, we had the option of, you know, due to a series of events, leaving the school that we had been at for many years and going to public school, which was the school that was near our, our homes. 
And so we chose to switch schools and go to a public school. And it wasn't so much that it was a culture shock for me, but it was just a totally different environment than I had been a part of before. And I had a couple of friends, and I knew some friends from my neighborhood, people that I played sports with, but I was the new guy in school, and I didn't have that many friends. And there was a girl that went to my church that I thought she was pretty good looking. She was my friend. I was kind of into her, I guess, but I didn't know her very well. But when I got to my new school, what I found out is that over the course of a few months, she now had a boyfriend. And one day I just said hi to her and I was, I was passing through the halls. And as it turns out, her boyfriend didn't like that too much. So I soon found out that her boyfriend wanted to hash it out with me in a physical manner. <laughs> he wanted to fight me. And I didn't want to fight him because, number one, I didn't know him. Number two, I wasn't mad at him. Number three, I'm not really built to fight. And number four, as I soon found out, my friends began to tell me, this guy doesn't like you. I think he wants to fight you. And I was like, well, I don't want to fight him. And they're right. They're like, right, you don't want to fight him <laughs> because he's going to win. And I said, well, what am I dealing with here exactly? And they said, well, last year when you didn't go to this school, he had some beef with this other guy. And at the time, this guy that we're talking about, he had a broken hand and it was in a cast. And he was so mad at this guy that they got into it at school and he hit him with his broken hand cast covered across the face and knocked the dude out cold. And I was like, oh, did he get like, in trouble for that or suspended? They're like, yeah, he got suspended, but the other dude didn't even ever come back to school. And I'm like, oh my God, <laughs> what have I gotten myself into? Because again, I don't want to fight. It's not me. It's not my nature. And here's the thing. I was so afraid of fighting with this guy and losing that fight, and especially because he had lots of friends at our school and I didn't have many friends at our school, that I allowed this fear to creep in. And no joke, I went through the entire school year, weeks and weeks, months and months, so afraid of him that I avoided him, I avoided mutual friends, I avoided stepping out into uncomfortable situations because I was afraid that I was gonna be confronted with this guy that wanted to fight me and I knew I would not win the fight. Now, fast forward to the end of the year because I think all of us know what it's like to, whether it's not in a physical manner, all of us know what it's like to have some sort of fear that we're dealing with on a daily basis. And so fast forward to the end of the year, we graduate from high school, a few months go by, and at the end of 1999, okay, and now speaking of fear, Y2K, all right, I'm at a New Year's Eve party with some friends, and I walk up with a group of friends just coming for a good time, and who's standing at the front door of the party but that guy? And I'm like, man, I thought we were past this. I thought we were over this. High school's over. I don't want to deal with this. And I walk up to the front door with my friends, and this guy sees me, and he starts walking toward me. And I'm thinking, well, I have some friends here, but I know none of my friends want to fight him. I don't want to fight him. What's about to happen? And he walks up, and he says, hey. And he just sticks out a hand to shake my hand, and he says, I'm really sorry about everything that happened over the last year. And I said, really? And he's like, I, I was being a jerk. That was what he said to me. And I'm like, okay. Now, suddenly, I feel this great sense of relief, right? But then he says to me, I never really wanted to fight you. I just wanted to intimidate you, and I wanted you to be afraid of me so that you wouldn't talk to my girlfriend. Now, here's what's funny about this. I was never really a threat in the first place, but the reason I'm telling you this story is because months and months went by where all I had to do was step out and have a conversation. There was some risk involved in this conversation, but if I had just stepped out, had a conversation to ease the tension, chances were that nothing was going to come of it. Instead, we would have been able to settle that thing right there. 
But because of the fear that built up on the inside of me, I was worried. I did nothing about it, and I chose to live with this fear rather than solve the problem in the first place. As a pastor, there are many, many stories in the Bible that we are familiar with. If you're just, you know, a casual church-going Christian and you know your Bible, there are passages of Scripture that you've become very familiar with, the stories that are very famous to you. I was talking with Pastor Nick a few months back, and we were talking about how sometimes it is difficult for us as pastors to preach from stories in the Bible that are so familiar because it just seems so obvious. And let me give you some examples. You know, Jesus feeding the 5,000. We know that so well. What's the new angle that we can find? We talk about Jesus walking on water, Peter walking on water, Jesus taking his disciples to get in the boat to go to the other side. And we know that story and how it unfolds. There's a storm and Jesus speaks to the storm. We know the story of Moses parting the Red Sea. We know the story of Moses in the burning bush and Abraham climbing the mountain with Isaac. These are stories that are so familiar to us that sometimes we go right past them. But there's a story that I was reading recently that I know so well, and it's maybe the most famous story in all the Bible, and I felt like God just kind of speaks to me and says, hold on, have you seen this? Watch this, check this out. And it's a story that I want to talk to you about today that talks about a whole nation of people who were gripped with fear. It's found in 1 Samuel 17, and it's the famous, famous story of David and Goliath. Now, if you are a traditionally churched Christian like me, You know this story inside and out. You know all the details, all the nuances, all the intricacies. You know the background story, the context of how this all happened. And if you are here and you're not a traditionally churched Christian, you probably know this story too because David and Goliath is an analogy or a story that gets referred to even today in pop culture. It's like if you turn on a football game and one team is a two-touchdown favorite over the other team. They're like, well, Bob, today we got a real David and Goliath battle. Because we expect that one team is going to win and the other team is going to get killed. And if you're here today and you don't know the Bible at all, maybe you're familiar with or you've heard of the story of David and Goliath, we're going to talk a little bit about it today, but we're not going to go into super great detail. But first of all, spoiler alert, David wins. Now, Goliath was a giant, and David was probably not a little guy, but just an average-sized guy. And what we see is that the armies of Israel are at a standstill because they're afraid of the giant that nobody has been able to beat so far. And so scripture tells us that 40 days go by and morning and evening the giant comes out to taunt the armies of Israel. Like I said earlier, I know what it's like to walk around living in fear. But this is a perfect example of a nation of people, an army of men who were so afraid that they were unwilling to confront a problem and even solve it. Look at 1 Samuel 17, verse 4. Then Goliath, here's the introduction of the giant. Then Goliath, a Philistine champion from Gath, came out of the Philistine ranks to face the forces of Israel. He was over nine feet tall. Everybody say, that's big. That's big. He wore a bronze helmet, and his bronze coat of mail weighed 125 pounds. That's just his bronze helmet and his coat of mail. He also, verse 6, wore bronze leg armor, and he carried a bronze javelin on his shoulder. The shaft of his spear was as heavy and thick as a weaver's beam, tipped with an iron spearhead that weighed 15 pounds. His armor bearer walked ahead of him, carrying the shield. Now, push pause right there for just a moment, because I want to just point something out to you. Maybe you've never seen this before. There are four verses devoted in the Bible to tell us just how big, strong, mighty, tough, agile Goliath was. And the reason why I find that to be so interesting is because there's a lot of stuff in Scripture that's left to mystery. 
Like, we don't know all the details of everything. We don't understand, did God really create things as quick as the Bible wants to, wants to help us believe? We don't understand how Jonah got swallowed by a great fish. We don't understand how the great flood happened in the days of Noah. There are things in the Bible that we look at at face value, and it takes faith to believe them, even when we don't have all the details. But I love how in 1 Samuel 17, the Bible goes into great detail for four verses to tell us just how bad Goliath was. And let me just... Recap this real quick. Goliath, according to many historians' studies, Goliath was estimated to be nine and a half feet tall. Listen, the tallest man to ever play in the NBA was seven foot seven. That dude was two feet shorter than Goliath. Like, I can't even imagine being that tall and that big. Goliath's spear. There are actually people that have studied this out and recreated the armor of Goliath, okay? Like, those are some real Bible nerds. But listen... His spear is estimated to have been 12 and a half feet long and probably weighed 33 to 35 pounds. That's just the spear. His breastplate and his helmet weighed at least 125 pounds, and that's not including the armor on his legs. Goliath was a big, strong, fierce, undefeated champion. The Bible says he taunted the armies of Israel every morning and evening for 40 days. Now, why am I taking time right here to say this? Because scripture goes out of its way in detail to tell us these details about who Goliath was. And I think that for some way, what this does is it relates to all of us when we see something that's big, that puts fear in our hearts because we start to measure it up and we say, oh my God, oh my God. And then one day goes by and then two days go by and then one week turns into two weeks, which turns into a month or in the Israelite army's case, 40 days. And with every single day that goes by that we don't do something about the problem, it's like that thing just keeps getting bigger. And all of us know what that's like. We all know what it's like to have something in our life that we are afraid of or fearful of. And I love how scripture gives us details about it because it's almost like the writer here is saying, yeah, God understands what it's like for you to walk through your daily life and be afraid of that thing that to you is enormous, that's huge, that's way bigger than you are. I love that scripture breaks that down so specifically because it's as if God understands what we see and what we go through. And when we see that Goliath taunted the armies of Israel for 40 days and for 40 nights, it tells us that how stricken they were with fear that they were unwilling to do anything about it. Have you ever had a problem that paralyzed you with fear so much that you would rather allow it to remain in your life than actually try to solve it? I have. Let me put it to you this way. Many of us would rather have a comfortable problem in our life than try to find an uncomfortable solution. Have you ever had something so big and so difficult and so mighty and so strong, it was a stronghold in your life, that you were like, I would rather just manage this problem and accept it as a comfortable thing in my life than go and find an uncomfortable solution? Let me just give you a couple of quick examples of this because I think that this will probably hit home with many of you. Now, these might not be specific things that relate to you in your specific situation, but you'll understand where I'm coming from here. Think about this when it comes to substance abuse and addiction. There are people who have gotten so comfortable with the relief that that addiction brings, that that substance brings into their life. And when it started, it seemed harmless and it seemed innocent, but then that thing just kept getting bigger because I accepted it into my life. And as it got bigger and bigger and bigger, it became this problem that was now a giant living on the inside of me. And the thing is, people that deal with substance abuse and addiction, they know that if they keep giving that thing a stronghold and a foothold in their life, it is going to kill them eventually. 
But what seems more difficult is actually having to address the problem. So therefore they say, I will accept this problem in my life, I will get comfortable with this problem, and I will manage this giant in my life rather than go and find an uncomfortable solution. Because I can't imagine not having this thing in my life that brings me such relief, that makes me feel so good, that makes me feel so much better when things are difficult. This thing that's now become a giant in my life, I don't feel like fighting it. I would rather just accept that it's there and live my life with this comfortable problem rather than go and find an uncomfortable solution. Let me give you another one. I'm not going to talk graphically here, but just follow me. Can we all be adults for a moment? What about pornography? This is an enormous issue in the world in which we live and in the church. Because it's one of those things that stays in hiding. It stays in secret in people's lives. And there are many people that start out and it seems innocent. And you might not think that it's, you know, that bad of a thing. But suddenly a small bad thing turns into a huge bad giant in your life. And it's this thing that exists in your life that has a stronghold or a foothold in your life. And it stays in the dark. And you realize this isn't okay. And if I keep going down this path, it's going to ruin my marriage. It's going to ruin my relationship. It's ruining the way that I see other people. But I would rather choose to live with this comfortable problem than go and find an uncomfortable solution because that means I'm going to have to tell somebody. And if I tell somebody, that's going to be uncomfortable. They're going to think less of me. They're going to think that I'm this, you know, kind of like sick person that's got stuff going on behind the scenes. So what you do is I don't want to come clean. I don't want to bring this thing out of the darkness and into the light. I'll choose to live with my comfortable problem rather than go and find an uncomfortable solution. And what happens? If we choose to accept comfortable problems, eventually they will kill us. Because that's how this works. And so that is the context of where we find ourselves in 1 Samuel 17 because the armies of Israel have been looking at this giant for 40 days And they're so terrified and filled with fear that nobody wants to go and fight. The problem can be so big that it begins to taunt you day after day. And it's easier to just allow it to taunt you than to fight that growing giant. Now, read on. Look at this. Verse 11. Excuse me, verse 8. I'm sorry. Goliath stood and shouted a taunt across to the Israelites. Why are you all coming out to fight? Really what he's talking about here is why is it you guys are all over there with your armor and your swords and your spears? I know that you don't really want to fight. He called, I am the Philistine champion, but you are only the servants of Saul. Choose one man to come down here and fight me. If he kills me, then we will be your slaves. But if I kill him, you will be our slaves. Verse 10, a very important verse. I defy the armies of Israel today. Send me a man who will fight me. When Saul and the Israelites heard this, they were terrified and deeply shaken. They were terrified. They were filled with fear and deeply shaken, and nobody wanted to fight this guy. Now, notice again the words of Goliath in verse 8. I am the Philistine champion, but you are only the servants of Saul. Choose one man to come down here and fight me. Can I just say something to you today? If you're facing a giant that you can't seem to overcome, all it takes is one. All it takes is one decision in one moment on one day where you put your foot down and say, well, I've had about enough. Because if I'm going to die, I might as well die fighting. And I love how, how Goliath calls this out, and it's as if nobody else hears it, but he's saying, all you got to do is send one person my way. And if someone can beat me, we'll be your slaves. And in the middle of this, there's this amazing opportunity. Now, if you're taking notes this morning, I want to give you three quick thoughts. What to do when the fight comes to you, okay? Point number one, what to do when the fight comes to you. When you're faced with opposition, find the opportunity. 
When you're faced with opposition, find the opportunity. Let me put it to you this way. In the middle of any opposition you are facing, there will always be an opportunity for God to do something big in your life. There is no problem, no test, no circumstance, no obstacle, no issue that you are facing right now that God can't show his strength in if you'll just give him an opportunity. If you'll just give God a chance, he will show himself strong on your behalf, but you have to be willing to fight the fight. You have to be willing to put your foot down, stand up, speak up, and say, I've had about enough. I don't want to deal with this anymore. I'm tired of being taunted by this giant in my life. Now listen to this. If you're taking notes, again, write this down. We can't be crippled by fear. We have to be energized by optimism. We can't be crippled by fear. We have to be energized by optimism. Now right now, some of you are hearing that and you're like, well, this sounds like a motivational speech right now. I can't be crippled by fear. I have to find ways to be motivated from the inside. And you're like, where does God fit into all this? Well, I love it to this point in the story. We haven't even talked about David yet. But let's keep going forward because now enter our man David. Scripture tells us that David arrived at the battlefield on the day that Goliath was taunting the armies of Israel. And he did not come to fight. He didn't come with weapons. He didn't come with armor. He didn't come out there thinking that day that he was going to be fighting a giant. Instead, the reason why David arrives on the scene in the first place is because David's dad, his father Jesse, sent David out to the battlefield. And he said, here's what I want you to do, David. I want you to take some bread. I want you to take some cheese. I want you to take maybe a few other items of food to take them to your brothers. Give them to them. Make sure they're okay. Check on them. Come back. Give me a report. Tell me how your brothers are doing. And while you're at it, take some of this food to their commanders in in the army as well. Give it to them. But make sure your brothers are good and take it there. So essentially, David shows up on the battlefield that day, and he did not come to fight a giant. He was like the DoorDash driver that was simply bringing some food and just saw that something was going on. This would be like if you were delivering food to somebody else's house, and there was a fight that was happening at the house, and somehow you got called into it. The point I'm making to you is that when David stepped up to the battlefield that day, David did not come looking for a fight. What happened was there was a fight that came looking for David. And at certain times in our life, that's what we're going to walk through. We're going to find ourselves not looking for a fight, but there's an enemy in this world who does not want you to step into the promises that God has for your life. And even though you might not want to fight, sometimes a fight will come looking for you. You. My voice. So enter our man David. Didn't, he didn't want to fight, but suddenly the fight comes to him. And David heard the taunts of the giant like we saw in verse 10. The giant Goliath says, I defy the armies of Israel today. But when David heard these taunts, he didn't hear it like everyone else heard it. David heard it differently. And watch this. Look at verse 26. So David asked the soldiers that were standing nearby, what will a man get for killing this Philistine and ending his defiance of Israel? Watch what David says right here. I love this. Who is... This pagan Philistine, anyway, that he is allowed to defy the armies of the living God. I'm going to read that one more time. This is what David says as he looks at. Now, picture this. Armies are standing behind David. They're afraid to go fight. And David looks out and sees the the giant just running his mouth. And David speaks up and he says, Who is this pagan Philistine, anyway, that he is allowed to defy the armies of the living God? Again, if you're taking notes, this is the second point, okay? What to do when the fight comes to you? You have to know yourself and you have to know your enemy. You have to know yourself and you have to know your enemy. Look at what David says again. 
What will a man get for killing this Philistine and ending his defiance of Israel? Who is this pagan Philistine anyway that he is allowed to defy the armies of the living God? Now, stop right there for just a moment. Because if you read this in another translation, and this morning I'm reading from the New Living. That's kind of like my favorite regular reading translation. But if you read this in other translations, David looks out and he doesn't say, who is this pagan Philistine? He says, who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he would defy the armies of the living God? Now, can we all be grown-ups for a minute? Circumcision in the Old Covenant and the Old Testament, it was a covenant sign that I am a child of God. It was something that God demanded of Abraham and all generations that would follow him of the Hebrew Jewish heritage. And so on the eighth day, every boy after they were born was circumcised. And this was an obedient act, a sign of covenant, a sign of God's relationship with man that said we are different We are a peculiar people. We are in a covenant relationship with God. God is for us. We are on his side and he is on ours. And when David heard the taunts of the giant, David looked at and said, who is this uncircumcised Philistine? Do you know what David was saying? I hear what he's saying. And I don't know if you guys are paying attention or not, but I'm in a covenant relationship with God. And guess what? He's not. So what do I have to be afraid of? Who is this uncircumcised Philistine that's going to speak against the promises of God for our nation? Who is he? And when David heard those taunts, David didn't hear it the same way everybody else did. David heard it differently. David saw it through the covenant relationship that he had with God, knowing that God had made promises to his people that that land was going to be theirs, that God would see them through any battle that was in front of them, that with a strong and mighty right hand, God would conquer all of the enemies that stood in their way. And David said, you guys might be doubting the promises of God, but this guy's not in a covenant relationship with God, so therefore, I'm not afraid to fight. Can I tell you something today? If you are in Christ Jesus, you are in a covenant relationship with God. You have been bought by the blood of the lamb and God will fight for you. He will see you through any obstacle that you're facing. But when you face those giants, you have to remember that. You can't be afraid. You have to remind yourself, no, I'm in a relationship with God. I'm in a covenant relationship with God and God don't break his promises. So there's nothing that's gonna stand in my way of God performing the things he promised to do. Come on, somebody get excited and give God praise this morning. Now that's us knowing who we are, or excuse me, that that was David knowing who his enemy was. But I love what he goes on to say, who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? Do you know what David was saying here? David's like standing there taunting out and, and looking at what Goliath is doing, but there's an army behind him that's afraid to fight. But he speaks up and says, this guy's not just defying the armies of Saul, he's defying the armies of the living God. Can I tell you something? When you step up to the plate and choose to fight that fight, even if it's difficult, the armies of the living God are right there with you, ready to fight that battle alongside you. You're not just doing this in your own strength. There are weapons that will be formed, but they will not prosper. Why? Because you're a child of the king. Listen to me today, son of God. You are a child of the king. You are a man of God, so man up and go fight because God is with you. Listen to me, daughter of the king. You are a daughter of the king. The Lord of heaven's armies is with you. He's fighting your battle with you. Don't be afraid to go and fight because he's got your back. And he's got a whole lot more artillery than you do. The weapons will be formed, but they will not prosper. Everybody with me this morning? Man, even for a bad voice, I'm excited right now. Now, let's keep going. Watch what happens next. Verse 32. Don't worry about this Philistine. Now watch what David, David's like, okay, I'm going to show you guys what I'm about to do. Don't worry about this Philistine. I 
will go and fight him. So now David, like he's all in now. Like David's not just thinking about it. He's not just contemplating it. He's putting it out there. He's speaking it like, I'm gonna have to go and do this now. And on the surface, you look at this and say, wow, is David getting in over his head? David's like, okay, I'm gonna go fight him. Verse 33, look at what Saul says. Don't be ridiculous, David. Are you kidding? You, you're gonna go fight him? I love this, you know why? Because that's the king of the nation saying that. Can't you just imagine David standing there saying, this is our leader? There's a guy out there who's taunting the armies, not of Saul, but of the living God. And we're going to cower in fear thinking that God isn't with us and God isn't for us. And this is our leader? Let's read on. Watch this. Verse 33. Don't be ridiculous, Saul replied. There's no way you can fight this Philistine and possibly win. You're only a boy, and he's been a man of war. Since his youth. I love this. Like Saul's just like, there's no way this is going to happen. He's totally speaking against everything that David is in this moment inspired to do. Let me just give you a quick side note real quick. When you know who you are and who your God is, don't let anyone try to change your mind or discourage you from going and fighting the fight that's in front of you. Don't let anybody look at your stature. Don't let anybody look at your background. Don't let anybody look at your track record, your reputation, your past, your failures, your sins, your mistakes. Don't let anybody look at those things, pull them out in front of you and tell you that you can't go and fight. Because guess what? You're not fighting in your own strength. When you know who you are and whose you are, you know that God will fight that battle with you. Oftentimes we say these words, and I don't want to have a theological argument, but we say, well, God will fight that battle for me. I think most of the time what happens is we go and fight, and God fights that battle with us and gives us strength that we don't have in ourselves. And David wasn't afraid to do it, so he steps out. Now, let's read on, just a few more verses. So David persisted. He's got his mind made up. He's going to do this. I have been taking care of my father's sheep and goats. And the crowd went wild. Yeah, you can do it. Now, hold on. If you were going to apply for a job that you found online and the title of the job was Giant Killer, I don't think that the first thing you'd put on your resume is, well, I take care of my father's sheep and goats. (laughs) Because Shepherd doesn't seem to relate to Giant Killer, right? Or so we would think. Before we go forward, let me just say this. Despise not the day of small beginnings, my friends. Because the thing that you're frustrated with right now might be the very thing that God is using to prepare you for the great things that he has in front of you. Somebody needed to hear that today. So David goes on and he says, when a lion or a bear comes to steal a lamb from the flock, from my father's flock, these are my father's sheep, I go after it with the club and rescue the lamb from its mouth. If the animal turns on me, watch this, I catch it by the jaw and I club it to death. And so suddenly they're like, ah, you're not, you're not scared of fighting bears and lions. Like, that's really interesting. Even as a shepherd, like, you're not afraid to do that. But then David keeps going. Verse 36, I have done this to both lions and bears. And guess what? I will do it to this pagan Philistine too, this uncircumcised Philistine too. For he has defied the armies of the living God. The Lord who rescued me from the claws of the lion and the bear will rescue me from this Philistine. Saul finally consented. Now watch this, this is awesome. Saul, all right, 
go ahead. And may the Lord be with you. <laughs> How good is that? Don't you know that Saul was like, all right, go ahead, David. If you are so convinced you're going to win, then go right ahead. Guys, go ahead and build him that, uh, that, that body bag that we're needing. He's about this tall. He's about this wide. It's no big deal. He won't be coming back. And I'm sure that everybody doubted David that day, but David's like, I got some experience under my belt. I've encountered some difficult things thus far to this point in my life. And I'm not afraid to fight this battle because I know that God's with me. I'm a child of God. I'm in a covenant relationship with God. So therefore, I am willing to fight. If you're taking notes, this is the third thing. What to do when the fight comes to you? Be proactive and not passive. Be proactive and not passive. Now, if we look back at verse 35 that we just read, what David speaks up and says is he says that when the lion or the bear comes to take something that belongs to my father, I don't wait for it to come after me. Instead, I go after it and I beat it to death. <laughs> In other words, what David was saying, I mean, I'm not a shepherd, okay? I've never kept sheep. I don't know what it's like to like work in the wilderness where there are predators among us who are coming to take these animals. I have no experience with this. But here's what I do know. If I'm there taking care of anybody's sheep and a lion or a bear comes my way, I'm going to run that way. <laughs> but David says that when a lion or a bear comes after one of these sheep and if it were to turn on me, before it can get to me, you know what I do? I go after it. Why is this important? Because a lot of us look at the giants, the obstacles, the problems that are in front of us, and we get so paralyzed with fear when we see just how big they really are that we, are, that we refuse to go and fight the fight that's in front of us, and we sit back and we get more afraid and more scared with every day that goes by. One day turns into two days, and two days turns into a week, and a week turns into a month. And just like the Israelite army, 40 days have gone by, and we've built this thing up to be so big that we are now unwilling to go and fight. An entire army of God's people stood back fearful and refused to fight. And David says, when the lion and the bear came after me, I didn't let it get to me. I went after it, and I beat that thing to death. Can I tell you something? Don't let that giant that you're facing keep growing daily, bigger and bigger and bigger. Be proactive, not passive. Go after that thing and beat it to death. Whatever it is. Because God has given you the victory. You're a child of the Most High God. You're in a covenant relationship with God, bought by the blood of Christ. The Lord of Heaven's armies is on your team, or better yet, we are on his team. And he will fight that battle with you. Now, last two verses in this passage. Verse 45, David replied to the Philistine, You come to me with sword, spear, and javelin, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of Heaven's armies, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. Today the Lord will conquer you. Look at what he says. Not me that's going to conquer you. Today the Lord will conquer you, and I will kill you, and I will cut off your head. And then, once I'm done cutting off your head, I will give the dead bodies of your men to the birds and wild animals, and the whole world will know that there is a God in Israel. Now, one of the last things I want to point out to you here is I love how David says, I'm not just going to kill you. After I kill you, 
I will then cut off your head. I sometimes read that and wonder, like, why is that in there? Why did David say, I will then cut off your head? See, I think what happens is a lot of us in our relationship with God, we see God come alongside us and he fights these battles with us or for us. And we overcome some obstacles along the way. But sometimes we still let the root of that thing stay in our life. And a few years later, if we're not paying attention, it pops back up and suddenly we've got to deal with that giant again. But David says, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to go after the giant. I'm going to kill the giant. And then I'm going to cut off the giant's head. Why? Because I ain't fighting this battle no more. See, when we become fearful of something, we ask God to make the fight go away. We say, God, fix this problem, make it go away, make it go away. And what did we just talk about? David wasn't passive. He was proactive. He went after the problem. He went after the giant. He went after the bear. He went after the lion. And many of us as Christians, what we do is we sit back and we say, God, I got this huge problem, this huge giant, this this obstacle, this thing, this issue that I'm dealing with. God, just make it go away, make it go away, make it go away. And God's like, why don't you go fight? Because I've given you the victory. Why don't you quit being scared? Because you're in a covenant relationship with me. You have the Lord of heaven's armies on your side and you're afraid to fight. Stop being passive. Go fight. I'm with you. I got you. Just take a step. Nobody else is going to do it. Go fight and see what happens. And I love that picture because David says, I'm not going to kill you. I'm going to cut your head off because I ain't dealing with this no more. I'm moving on to bigger and better things. And when we allow fear to creep in and put its roots deep inside of us, we will find ourselves fighting the same battles over and over because we're unwilling to fight. David was proactive. He said, I'm going after this thing. In closing, I just want to recap the three things I gave you. What to do when the fight comes to you. Number one, when you're faced with opposition, find the opportunity for God to do something. Number two, know yourself and know your enemy. Know who you are, whose you are, and who your enemy is not. And number three, be active, not passive. I can't get past this thought of being proactive. And I just said a second ago that a lot of us, we pray to God and we're like, God, make this problem go away. Make this problem go away. Make this problem go away. And God's like, go fight. A lot of us are like, God, get me out of debt. God, get me out of debt. God, get me out of debt. And he's like, hey, cut up your credit cards because that's your problem. Like, we just want money to fall out of the sky. God's like, no, fight by stop paying for things that you can't afford, putting it on credit, which adds up interest, and things get worse every single month. Like that's your first step to fight and get past this problem. Some of us are like, God, bring me a man of God. Bring me a woman of God. God, bring me a man of God. Bring me a woman of God. God, bring me a man of God. Or bring me a woman of God. And God's like, stop going to those places you've been going on the weekends. Ain't no men of God there. (laughs) Is everybody with me this morning? See, God is the Lord of heaven's armies. He will fight this fight with you, but you can't just sit there and say, okay, God, go fight that fight. God says, no. Take what I've given you. Know who you are. Know whose you are. Step up, fight the battle, and see if I don't come through on your behalf. You know, it always got me when I would read this passage. For some reason, I skipped over this. We see in Scripture that David takes a sling and five smooth stones, and that's how he kills Goliath. And for whatever reason, I wasn't paying attention to this. I always thought David used the sling and the stones to kill the lion and the bear. But the Bible says that he took a club and beat them to death. I don't know why he did that, but here's what's interesting. 
There are weapons that God has given you in your arsenal right now that you might not be using. And scripture gives us no background into David's expertise with slings and stones. But when it comes time to fight that giant, he reaches into that bag, pulls out the things that he needs, and he's not afraid to sling it because he knows that God's given him the victory. Don't be passive in your relationship with God. Don't go to bed every night a fearful and let that thing get bigger every single day. Know that God is with you, that he's for you. He's never left you. He never will forsake you. And he wants to prove himself strong if you will just be willing to fight. Can I be honest with you? I'm not just preaching to you. I'm preaching to me today. Because I can get fearful too. I can get scared sometimes and say, God, this thing looks bigger. It feels bigger. Well, guess what? Sometimes we face things that are bigger than us. But God loves to show how big he is when we face those problems. We can't be afraid to fight. Some of all, you need to go home today and you need to start making that plan to get out of debt. Some of you need to go home today and you need to call somebody and say, I'm sorry. Because the brokenness of that relationship is eating you up every night. And with every day that goes by and you don't do something about it, it just gets bigger. Don't be afraid to fight. Because the Lord of heaven's armies is with you. You are in a covenant relationship with God. You are a son and a daughter of the most high king. He loves you. He's with you. He's for you. So let's fight. Amen. 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 Would you bow your heads with me this morning? God, I thank you so much for your word. I thank you for how good your word is. God, sometimes we can get so familiar with your word, we only look at it and take it on face value and we fail to apply it to our lives. I pray today, God, that we would be people of God that leave this place inspired and unafraid to go and fight the battle that's in front of us. We wouldn't cower over in fear. We wouldn't hide from the obstacle or the enemy that's in front of us, but we would know who we are, whose we are, and who our enemy is not. God, you are for us. You are not against us. You've never left us. You've never failed us. You'll never forsake us, no matter how difficult things might get. Today, that's our declaration of hope and faith. We stand on that promise, and we step strongly into the future that you have for us. In Jesus' name. With heads bowed and eyes closed for just a second, I just want to ask you where you're at when it comes to a relationship with God. Maybe you're here today, and you feel like the obstacles, the challenges of life have just beaten you up, beaten you down. Maybe you're even tired of fighting today. I want to tell you something. When you come into a relationship with God by accepting Jesus into your heart, you become a child of God. God wants to come alongside you and help you fight those battles and show you just how good and how strong he really is. Scripture tells us that it's our sin that separated us from God. But if you want to know just how good God is and how loving he is, he loved us so much that in the midst of our sin, he sent his very best, Jesus, to this earth in exchange for our very worst, our sin. And Jesus went to the cross, died for us, taking on the punishment that we deserved so that we could experience God's forgiveness. But then scripture goes on and tells us that three days after Jesus died, God miraculously, supernaturally raised him from the dead, bringing him back to life, conquering death and hell and the grave for us so that we would not have to face it in eternity. If you've never made that eternal decision to ask Jesus to be the Lord of your life, I would love to lead you in a prayer today to walk down that path. We're all going to pray this prayer together. We're not going to embarrass you or put you on the spot. But today, if you know that you need to give your life over to God, to the Lordship of Jesus Christ, 
I want to invite you to repeat these words after me. We're all going to say them right out loud. Just repeat these words. Mean it with everything inside of you. Say, Jesus, I thank you for dying for me. I thank you that you took my sin upon your back at the cross. I'm grateful for your forgiveness. I believe that you were raised from the dead so that I could have life eternally. So I choose you today as my Savior, and I want you to be the Lord of my life. From this day forward, I will walk with you. I will learn your ways. I want your purposes for my life now into eternity. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Now listen, we have just a few moments left in our service. This is probably the most important thing we'll do. So please, everybody, hang tight till the end of service. If you made that decision just now to give your life to Christ, I just want to let you know, we want to help you take your next steps. This isn't the end of the road. This is simply the beginning of a new journey. After this service, when it's over, we're going to have some prayer teams that will be right down here at the front of the platform. They have a book that they would love to give you. It's called The Next Seven Days. It's to help you get started in your walk with God. You can walk up to one of these teams. Just let them know you made that decision. They'll give you the book. We don't need anything from you, but we're happy to help, to pray with you, to encourage you in any way that we can. We just want to help you start that walk with God. If you need to go quickly at the end of service, when service is over, please just stop by the next seven days desk. It's the desk right between the glass doors before you exit the building. We would love to help you start that walk with God and just really answer any questions, do our very best to encourage you in this path that's in front of you. We're grateful that you made that decision today. It really is the best decision you can make in life. And that sounds simple, but salvation is just that simple. But Jesus paid a big, big price so that we could have it. And we're so grateful for that. And we're grateful that you made that decision. If you're a regular, you're a follower of Christ, can we just put our hands together and welcome some new people into God's family. Amen. Would you give Zach a hand this morning, that great message? Thank you, Zach. Some of you need to make up your minds right now. You're going to fight. I'm not going to run anymore. It's time to fight. It's time to fight. When you leave today, leave this place knowing if you put your faith in God, if you will fight the fight of faith, God will fight the battles you can't fight in your own strength. So, Zach, great message today. God bless you. Hey, we're going to give to God right now. We're going to worship Him with our giving. We always honor God with how He's blessed our lives and what He's blessed us with. I want to thank you today for your faithfulness in giving. And, you know, some of you maybe have never thought about this, but do you know one of the ways I fight is through my giving? Did you know that? One of the weapons I have in this struggle in this life is my giving. Malachi 3, the Lord said, if I will honor him with what he's blessed me with, if I will give back to him, that he will rebuke the devourer for my sake. God will get involved in that financial war that you're in if you'll honor God with what he's blessed you with. So today as you give, give in faith, trust God, honor God with what he's blessed you with. Let's watch church news together as we give. Good morning, everyone, and welcome to The Bridge. My name is Nancy, and we want to thank you for being in church with us this morning. We hope that you enjoy your morning and that you and your family feel right at home today. We are already halfway through February and very excited about everything 2020 has in store for us. We hope that you will be here for everything that's happening in the weeks ahead. 
Here's a look at what's coming up at the bridge. Connecting Point is coming up on Sunday, March 1st during the 1130 service. You might be wondering, what is Connecting Point? Well, if you're new to the bridge and you're wanting to know how to get involved or want to know how to make the bridge your home church, Connecting Point is your first step. We want you to know the heart, mission, and vision of the Bridge Church, but we also want to get to know you. So come and find your place in this community at Connecting Point. Again, it's happening on Sunday, March 1st, during the 1130 service. If you'd like to join us, just sign up at the Info Center before you go today. You can also sign up on our website or on the Bridge app. We hope to see you there. Our spring term of Connect Groups launched this past week, and now is the time to get plugged into a small group here at the Bridge. If you are looking to build new relationships, find community, and grow in your walk with God, Connect Groups are the best way to do that in the church. Stop by the Info Center before you go today and pick up one of our connection guides. There you will find a full listing of all of our groups and leaders. You can also see all the groups on our website and on the Bridge app. We hope you'll take the time to get connected and find community this spring at The Bridge. If you are new to The Bridge and you want to find out how to get plugged in, we invite you to stop by the Info Center before you go today. Take a few minutes to come and say hi. Our team is here to help you find your place at The Bridge. They can also answer any questions that you might have about the church. For general info, be sure to check out our website thebridgechurch.tv. You can also download the Bridge app. Just text the keywords, the Bridge Church app to 77977. Thanks again for spending your morning with us. We love spending Sundays with you. Hey, once again, thanks for being in church today. Do me a favor, everybody stand. I want to share one last thought, but I want to ask you to stand. You know, Jesus said we need to be hearers of the word and then we need to be doers of the word. So let me ask you a question. What are you going to do after church today? Kill giants. Turn to somebody and say, I'm going to kill giants. Hey, have a great, great Sunday. Never enough, never enough